holy crap, dude. One, you sound like shit, dude. That sucks. I hope you feel better soon. But two, that was amazing. I was like, oh, that's cool that Jason, like, wrote up a little script or gave him, like, a little outline of what's coming. But <laughs> no, dude. That was, oh, my God. Colin is a genius. Colin, you're a genius, dude. Anyway, man, again, Jason, feel better soon. Peace out. Well, pops up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching, and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contests, and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG. With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. That was Joe of Hindsightless there at the top of the episode. Yeah, I'm still recovering. You can hear my voice still isn't back to its normal melodious you know, you know, perfection. But I think it's good enough to get this episode out. This episode is pretty much just a call-in episode. I'm going to answer some questions. People ask me. Some of these questions have been lingering for a little while. Some are newer. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope to have a meatier episode for you down the road. But before we get to these questions, I guess what I should do is announce the July contest that Colin was so nice to talk about last episode. Okay, I make a couple misstatements here in the upcoming segment. I keep saying the name of the film wrong. It's Dodgeball, a true underdog story. And I use, I refer to West Germany instead of Germany. It's probably the ste- strep throat and the fever, and I'm just thinking of my youth. Um, anyhow, I'll play you this little clip as, to make up for that, and then we'll get into the segment. Nice one, son. You'll be an all-star yet. Just remember the five D's of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. So the July contest is not going to be RPG related, but this is a nerd podcast in general. We cover all kinds of stuff. It's going to be a sport ball question. How about that? What is your favorite sport ball movie? What's your favorite sports related movie? Why is it your favorite movie? You know, sell it to us. Why should we watch the sports movie that you love? That, that's the question. I often get ribbed because I don't give you guys my thoughts on the contests. I don't give you my answers. So I'm going to give you my two favorite sports movies. How about that? So I'm going above and beyond asking more than I'm asking you to enter the contest. My two favorite sports movies are Dodgeball, An Underdog Story, and The Blood of Heroes. Now, Dodgeball, An Underdog Story is close to 20 years old now. Can you believe that? Um, Of course, Blood of Heroes is over 20 years old now. Um, Dodgeball doesn't totally age well. There's some homophobic humor in there, without a doubt. But it's still funny as hell. My wife and I were watching it the other day, and she said, this is such a guy's movie. (laughs) But she's laughing at it as well. Um, It's got just the right amount of Ben Stiller. I think too much Ben Stiller definitely ruins a movie, just like kind of too much Will Ferrell tends to ruin a movie for me. But I, 
The, one of the reasons I really like Dodgeball, though, I, man, 20 years. I remember seeing it in the movie. I did a, I went and saw it and The Chronicles of Riddick the same night. Why don't we have an RPG based on The Chronicles of Riddick yet? That's what I want to know. Hey, I know. We'll talk about that later in this episode. But let's talk about Dodgeball just for a minute longer. Why do I really love Dodgeball? Well, two reasons. And both of these reasons play into the blood of heroes as well. The movie Dodgeball explains all the rules of Dodgeball. So you can watch Dodgeball and then go play Dodgeball, right? How many football movies or baseball movies or basketball movies or hockey movies can you watch the movie and then go play the game? Like if you have no prior knowledge at all of that sport. Where Dodgeball, you can totally watch the movie and go play the game, no question about it. The other thing is that movie encouraged an increase in adult dodgeball teams throughout the country. I don't know if that increase has held up in the past 20 years, but right after that movie came out, there was an increase in adult dodgeball leagues across the country. So the movie encouraged the playing of the sport, and you could watch the movie, and it gave you all the knowledge to play the sport. So I thought I think the both these things are pretty admirable. And like I say, it makes me laugh. The Blood of Heroes is a great movie. That's my second pick. Of course, it has Rucker Hauer, who left us not too long ago. Great, great actor. Vincent D'Onofrio is in there, young Vincent D'Onofrio. And we have Joan Chen. Now, Joan Chen, most people know probably from Twin Peaks. Um, but she does a good job in here. She's their new quick. Now, this it's a, this is a post-apocalypse movie, and there's a sport that the players play. And I'm not going to ruin it. Go watch The Blood of Heroes. Maybe in your country it was released as The Salute of the Jugger. But it's out there. And actually, the international cut is longer and better. It has a better ending than the American cut. You can find it on YouTube, well worth watching. But it revolves around the sport of Jugger. Now, Jugger was made up for this movie. But after this movie, you had places as far apart as Australia and West Germany that came up with their own Jugger teams and have Jugger competitions, like with multiple teams and all this stuff. And it's still going on, as far as I can tell. There's still Facebook pages and stuff for, like, the Australian jugger teams that I found. So this stuff's still out there. This sport that was made up for this movie, people are out there playing it, which amazes me. Um, And and I think that's really awesome. The other cool thing is, just like Dodgeball, you can watch The Blood of Heroes and get all the rules, understand everything for jugger to go out and play it with your friends. You know? You you definitely could, without without question. So and, and I think it's a good movie about determination and what's important to you in life. And I, I, I just think it's a good movie. And if you like post-apocalypse movies, I'll, you know, meet that for you as well. So those are my picks. The Blood of Heroes and Dodgeball are my favorite sports movies because they you can watch the movie and understand how to play the sport from just watching the movie. And because they both encouraged the play of that sport and increased the play of that sport after the movie came out. But again, call me. Tell me what your favorite sports movie is, why you love it, and why we should watch it. Now, we're going to do something a little different for the prizes this time. There will still be a $20 $20 donation to a charity of your choice. Uh, Well, a charity we agree on. Let me say that. Children's Hospital, Food Bank, something like that. I'll get with the winner and we'll agree on a charity that we can agree on and I'm happy to donate to that. 
But instead of giving you a $20 drive through RPG gift card this time, I recently was the first loser in a contest by the Dicer Screaming podcast. Now, if you don't listen to Dicer Screaming, great show. The, those guys talk about all kinds of stuff. They're not afraid to talk politics. They're not afraid to call out bad actors and tell you who they are. But they also talk a lot of OSR stuff. They talk about a lot of older things. They talk about movies that inspire gaming, just lots of great stuff. So go check out Dicer Screaming. Really like that podcast. And I've supported them for a number of years. They recently did a contest, and the winner never reached out to him with a mailing address. And as we all know, if you're not first, you're last. But because the winner never reached out to him, then as a because they really had to get rid of this 5e book they were giving away as a prize, by default, they're sending it to me, which is cool, but I don't play 5e. So this is going to get sent to you. No matter where you are in the world, I'll send you this 5e book. And I should know what it is, but I don't remember because, you know, my memory, she's not so good. But it's one of these newer books, you know, with adventures or, or something from 5e. Once I get it in my hands, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. But so the winner will get this 5e book mailed to them wherever they live in the world. Plus, you know, I'll get with the winner and we'll agree on a charity that I'll donate some money to. So it's win-win. Anyhow, you have till the 8th of July to send me your entry. The 8th of July gives you four weeks from the date this episode comes out. Good luck. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house. Okay, remember I said we'd talk about Chronicles Riddick again? Well, I'm not going to go in depth into it here because I'll let you callers call in and talk about it if you want to. But what I will say is the game that Daniel is about to talk about, Daniel Norton of Bandits Keep Media Empire, is Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. And if you want to run Riddick, you could do worse than to use Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. I mean, we all know that Iron Crown Enterprises Space Master is the right answer here. But if you're you don't have a copy of Space Master handy and you don't want to buy the PDFs off a of drive through RPG, then Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells is a worthy um, follow up to that. Although ICRPG would also do it. So hmm. Nope, I'm gonna stick with Space Master and ICRPG, but you could definitely do it with Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. But let's hear what Daniel has to say. Hey Jason, Daniel from Bandits Keep Calling In. <laughs> that episode with Colin was amazing. Um, I guess I'm uh, um, actually calling it about Solar Blades and Cosmic Stars or Swords or whatever. You know, I, I I have that game. I bought it from the creator at Gen Con a few years back. Or maybe I have the other one, the not space one. But anyways, I don't know. There was something about it. I'm going to have to look back through it that just made me not really play it. And now you got me wondering what it is, because the game sounds pretty good. Although, you did say roll under, and I'm wondering if that means it's a black hack hack. And, yeah, notoriously, except for the usage die, rolling under stats for everything is something that I am not a huge fan of. So that might be why. But the game itself seems pretty cool, and now you've got me inspired to pull it off the shelf and look at it again. Um, so, yeah, hope you're feeling better, uh, so we can hear your uh, lovely voice. 
in the next episode. But uh, thanks to Colin. That was really awesome. Hey, Daniel, thank you for the kind words. And Daniel's referring when he says that was a great episode and thank you to Colin was the same thing Joe was talking about at the top of the episode where last episode, because of strep um, throat, I was unable to really talk. And Colin Green, a spike pit, called just a bunch of prompts in, and I was able to build an episode all around his prompts. So that was really cool. Thank you again, Colin. Um, as far as solar blades and caustic spells go, it is very informed by the black hack. You're right, Daniel. That probably is what turned you off. Now, it isn't just roll under. It uses what I've seen referred to as the blackjack mechanic. And with this mechanic, for like a powerful opponent, what they do is they determine a difficulty. And, you, and so you have to roll under your tribute, but you also have to roll over that difficulty in some cases. So maybe a roll, say if you have a tribute of 10, you have to roll 10 or under, and the closer you get 10, the better you do, potentially. But if the difficulty is a 3, you would have to roll between 3 and 10 on that d20 to pass, right? A 1 or 2 would also fail. Um, it, it, it's a good system in that it works, and it's totally serviceable. It did not get in the way at all when we were playing the game when Eric was running the campaign, and we're going to hear more from Eric here in a minute. But... I'm talking, of course, about Eric Sawsweedle of the Omega 3D Chicken Coop podcast. He ran a long-running Solar Blades Cosmic Spells game that I was able to play in. It was a great game. We had lots of fun. But to me, it was Futurama, the role-playing game. He saw it as Guardians of the Galaxy. But to me, and I think some of the other players, it felt more like Futurama. <laughs> but it was a great game. Lots of fun. I disagree with Eric in that it would... I don't... So it would work fine for Firefly and when he called in and talked about it last episode. And he's right that the archetypes in there, your character classes, are almost purpose-made for Firefly. That is true. But there's so much other stuff in that book. So many random tables and generators and background of the universe and everything else that you would just throw out the window if you used it for Firefly. That I mean, you could do it, but you're throwing so much of the book out, out the window and not using so much of it that I don't know if it'd be my pick probably for that reason. Because um, you're not only throwing the setting out, you're throwing all the aliens out, you're throwing, you're throwing so much out um, to do Firefly, to, you know, using such a small part of the rules to do Firefly. But you could definitely do it. So Eric's not wrong there. But, and, and I think it's a game that's worth looking at and I think there's a lot of neat stuff in there. Like, say, Daniel, if nothing else, all the random generators in there, I bet you you would appreciate those, even if you don't want to use the system itself. But I still don't think it'd be my pick for Firefly. To me, for Firefly, or for, say, Cowboy Bebop, you need good personal combat rules. You need a fast draw, you know, like a some kind of showdown fast draw rule in there. Um and I guess, yeah, you need psion you, you could have psionics. There's psionics in both Cowboy Bebop and Firefly. But really, there aren't any aliens. And you don't have faster and light travel. Everything's within the solar system. You, you know, so the tech level's fairly low. Um, and you don't need a lot of the other stuff that's in these games. But you, you could definitely use it for that. But since I mentioned Eric... Let me play a call that's going to shift us into Bizarro World for a minute. Because Eric is about to accuse me a bunch of stuff that 
and, and, and attribute things to me that, that I never said. So let's hear that. Man, Jason, I, I hate to do this to you, but I got to call in and tell you how wrong you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm listening to you rant about uh, how Joe's in the background talking about dice rolling and, and whatnot. And, and I agree with Daniel. Um, I, well, fr- frankly, I don't switch modes, right? Like, there's game mechanics that are happening, but if I'm in a battle. Yes, I'm cognizant of the game mechanics as the player, clearly, because we're playing a game, so I have to understand how the mechanics work, right? So so I'm going to get in there, but I'm still going to role play and talk, even if it has no mechanical output in the game. I'm still in character. I'm yelling my battle cry, or I'm yelling a lack of battle cry, or I'm doing extra flair. I'm not really doing it. I'm, like, describing it. I mean, if I guess if I had space, I could do, like, some cool action rolls or jump around, but uh, lately it's online playing. I'm sitting in a chair, so there's not much that I can do physically and act out what my character's doing, but uh, I kid, maybe a little bit. Um, but I'm always trying to be in character, even when we're in the, the game mechanic part, right? So it's like, okay, game mechanic, roll, uh, 15, does that succeed? Yes, this is okay. Rothgar leaps forward with his sword, swinging it gra- bravely, you know, whatever it might be, right? Um, I even do it in board games. We're on board game night, we're playing this um, board game, it's called Adrenaline. It's like a first-person shooter simulator board game. Cool game. I, you know, when my character was shooting, I, I was talking and saying things, even though it had no impact on the game. One of my friends joked, like, Eric's always in character. You know, like, I just... It's just what I like to do. I goof around. I do funny voices. I, I mean, I might even do that at work when I'm talking with my team. We just... I don't know. We're just farting around, right? So that's how I look at it. Second thing is, I actually, as the GM... Don't roll the hide and shadows, the find trap, listen to hear noises, whatever it is. I have the players roll all that stuff. I only roll if it's for the enemy or the monster to hear or see or do whatever. And I'm kind of more in favor lately of player-facing games. So you may ask, Eric, how could you possibly do the hide and shadows roll? Like, then the player will know if they failed. Um... Yes, they would, but I only have them roll at the point of where they could potentially be detected, and then at that point, they would know that they're detected, because if they're trying to move silently, I would have them roll, and then they'd roll, let's say it's a roll under, and they failed. Like, ah, my agility is 14, and I got a 16. And then it'd be like, you hear one of the guards say, hey, Bill, do you hear that? I don't know, George, let's go check it out. You know, then they would know, right? Or they would be like, hey, what's that over there? Hmm, looks like we're being sneaked up on. Or um, the other thing I like to do with the disabled traps is they they roll, and sometimes I might be like, this is more so if it's like a roll high system. They'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, you think the trap's disabled? If even they failed. Or if they failed, I would tell them that you don't think you disabled the trap and you're not really sure how it works, right? Like, but in actuality, the trap might actually be disabled, but they think it's not disabled. So they failed the disabled trap rolls, inadvertently disabled the trap, but don't realize that it's disabled and they think it's still enabled, right? And so they might proceed like the trap is still enabled. Does that make sense? Clear? Clear as mud? All right. Anyway, uh, so you're wrong. You don't have to roll the dice, 
um, as the GM for that stuff. I let the players roll it. I, I don't I don't want to roll those dice. I only want to roll the dice when I'm the player, pretty much. So as far as can you role play in combat? Of course you're in role playing combat. And in fact, I called into Che Webster's role play rescue before because he was talking about how I, I think it was Starfinder that he was reading that says when combat starts, role play stops. Not Che didn't say that. The rule book said that. And I called him with examples of games that I've been in where we role played during combat and how that's bunk. So of course you can role play during combat. I never said you couldn't role play during combat. And I also am not of the opinion that the GM has to roll all the dice. In fact, a while back, is either my show or, or John Allen Large's Red Dice Diaries. Uh, I don't remember when, but we had a conversation about this back and forth. And in fact, I think it was here and it spread over to his show or maybe both, where I was talking about trusting your players and trusting your players to make those die rolls and trusting your player to say, oh, well, I missed it, so I step on the squeaky board. Or, you know, when you roll it, you only roll it when it's interesting. So you don't roll at the beginning, you roll as they're actually passing in the middle of the courtyard underneath that window. And if they fail, then, yeah, maybe the guard does pop his head out at that point. But you let the players roll. I've defended that. I've defended players rolling their own dice in the past. So it just boggles my mind that I'm being accused of these things that I've defended in the past. Bizarro world, Eric. Bizarro world. But that said, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. And let's go to our next caller, which is going to be Joe Richter again, Fine Sightless, who we heard at the top of the episode. Yo, dude, maybe you said this and I just totally missed it, but you mentioned how uh, from a player's side, you liked Foundry better than Roll20 and that Foundry had more tools or something for a player. Um, could you could you talk a little more about that? Like from a player's side, what what made Foundry particularly better than Roll20 in your mind, other than the audiovisual thing, because honestly, I haven't tried Roll20's AV for a while now. Maybe it's better. I highly doubt it. But yeah, man, let me know. All right. And if you already did answer that, don't play this message. <laughs> anyway, dude, peace out. Yo, Jason, so this is this message is a question for you based off of some of the comments you made on Bandit's Keep latest episode where you were talking about how you always view magic as chaotic and, you know, un, you can't depend on it and stuff. And that's totally awesome, right? Like, that's your, I get it. That's awesome. But my question is, where, where's your inspiration from that come from? Because, like, for me growing up, all the magic I ever read about, Tolkien, all the other fantasy books I read about, the magic systems are all pretty straightforward. They don't go crazy. They don't go chaotic or anything. And even in the Conan books, like, magic's evil, but it's not like unexpected necessarily. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just curious. I'd love to check some of it out and see like some of this crazy magic in action. Or is it just, it's just the flavor you like better. I'm very curious, man. No judgment or nothing. Just curious. Anyway, dude, peace out. Joe, I'm sorry to say that I haven't used Foundry since that initial Conan session. The strep throat has caused me to miss out on a ton of games including the la the latest Conan session. So I really haven't messed with Foundry much since then. I know you could pop more windows out and have, so you could have multiple um, tabs open with Foundry, which I liked being a single 
screen user. It also had player safety tools right there, which were nice, where the player could click the safety tools if that's something you want to use, whether your group uses them or whether you're running at a convention or for a new group of players. I just thought the inclusion of that was a nice thing. Obviously, you don't have to use it. I don't want to really get in a debate whether you should have safety tools or not. The thing is, safety tools don't hurt anything, and the fact they're built into it definitely does not hurt anything. I think that's a cool thing. It just had a lot of neat things. Maybe people that have used Foundry quite a bit as players can call in and talk about why they like it or don't like it compared to Roll20. Once I play it a little bit more, I'll be able to give you a better answer, Joe. But I didn't want this call just to sit there. Unfortunately, I just haven't used it since that initial first impression. As far as magic goes, you know, I reached out and talked to a couple other guys that read a lot of fantasy when I got this call before I lost my voice. And I think, I don't know, because, you know, the first thing I think of is like, well, Fantasia, right? The Sorcerer's Apprentice. But... Mickey cast the spell wrong. And talking to other, you know, people that read a lot of fantasy, a lot of this stuff is when a spell's cast wrong or the components aren't quite right or there's a mistake. So I don't know where I get it from. I definitely like the unpredictable magic. I like magic to be able to fail. I like Dungeon Crawl classic style magic. I don't know if there's a big precedent for that in literature, to be honest. I look forward to other callers calling in and telling us, is there a precedent? Not for somebody casting a spell wrong and it going awry. There's a lot of that. And, and we can point to lots of things in Earthsea and other places, the spells being cast wrong and, and having horrible effects. But just the really random nature like we see in Dungeon Crawl Classics, is that representative in fantasy literature? I, I don't know. I don't know that I saw it in fantasy literature. I, but I really like it in play. I, I like the variability in play. I, I, but I like Gonzo games too, so that might be part of it. And I like the idea that magic's a bad thing. So that's just me. Um, anyhow, thank you so much for those calls. I really appreciate it. I definitely look forward to anybody else weighing in on ideas of Foundry versus Roll20 from the player point of view or the randomness of magic is that something that is supported by literature? Is it something that Joseph Goodman came up with for Dungeon Crawl Classics? I don't know, um, but I like it. Okay, last call of the show is going to be Carl Rodriguez of The Geomologist Presents. I must disagree with Joe. The more cake, the better. Although, I guess personally, I like cookies. Maybe that's why I like uh, Cookie Monster music as uh, Jason calls it, that death metal with a guttural, because I can eat, I probably, I should not, clearly I should not, but I can eat lots of cookies uh, when if given the chance. But cake, you just got to eat it all, eat it all now. Yeah, it's a bad thing, or is it a good thing? I'm making it even harder on you, Carl. I like pie, too. I like cookies, I like cake, I like pie. I like all that stuff, and I'm not opposed to the idea that you should treat yourself every day, as we're told in Twin Peaks. Maybe you should treat yourself to that piece of pie every day, or maybe that cookie, or maybe that cake. I don't know. So the problem I have with the guttural death metal is I can't understand what the hell they're saying. I like music I can understand the lyrics to. 
And I'm sure if you listen to enough guttural death metal, you'll learn to understand what they're saying. But I don't have the desire to put the effort in to learn those voices enough to understand what they're saying. So maybe it's laziness on my part. And I'm willing to accept that. I fully appreciate other people like it. I'm not putting it down. But I like to hear music. I can understand what the singer's saying. You know, I'm just saying. Okay. That said, that's it for the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to all my callers. Really appreciate it. Hopefully my voice will be back up to snuff here soon. We've got a new episode of Cerebrivore out. Go check that out. It's really cool. They talk about D&D organized play, right? Really great episode. Um, it just dropped the morning that this episode dropped. So check out the new episode of Cerebrivore. There's a link in the show notes. Check out the all my callers shows. They all have great shows. And send in your favorite sports movie. I want to hear it. I will talk to you guys next week. Oh, last thing I want to do, as always, I want to thank TJ Drennan for the great music and Ray Otis for the coffee cup clip art. Of course, today, in honor of Eric's taking us to Bizarro World by attributing stances that I don't really have, I've got a picture of Bizarro World as my clip art. But normally, it's Ray Otis's coffee cup clip art. Okay, folks. In honor of the best TSR version of D&D after OD&D and AD&D First Edition, be excellent to one another. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some There is a dustman in your moil's body tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck